Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome again to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. Simple Secrets is a series of 26 Bible studies that were written by, originally the material was put together by Reverend James Otterness, and, uh, and it, Simple Secrets covers the very basic truths of the Christian faith. And the basic truths are always the most important truth because when you have the basics, then you're able to, to, to live the life in Christ. And so uh, we've talked about everything from creation and the, the daily struggle with uh, the life of uh, being a Christian. We've talked about baptism, and we've talked about uh, uh, communion. And now we're in a series of several studies, the next few studies, which are going to be over the last things, the things that happen at the, not only in the end of our life, but the end of the world. And today's study is a study about what happens in between death and the day of resurrection. And this is something that a lot of people have questions about. What happens when I die? And uh, the last time we talked about we will be getting a new body on Resurrection Day, but what about until Resurrection Day comes? What happens in the in-between? Well, God loves us so much that He didn't want us to have to live in this life worried about what happens uh, in between death and resurrection. So He spells it out very clearly in the Scripture, and we're going to... Uh, we're going to read that and study it today and talk about it and hopefully uh, come to a place of understanding. And out of that understanding, you'll have some confidence and peace about what happens when you die. So let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing over this study and over what we're going to do today. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you love us so much that you don't want us to live in the dark. Uh, without knowledge about what happens after we die. But instead, Lord, you, you spell it out clearly in your scripture. And today, help us to hear, hear and understand clearly what it is that you want us to know about this important part of our life. And, uh, and lead us into the truth. Comfort us with your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and give us hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're going to study anything about the Lord, then you need to go to the source. And that's what we always do here at Simple Secrets. We will read the Word, we will talk about it, and see what uh, the Scripture says about these topics. Not just what I, Skip Hedgepeth, have to say, but what the Word of God has to say. So I'm going to read today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 first. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Here indeed we groan and long to put on our heavenly dwelling, so that by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we sigh with anxiety. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And so let's talk about this for a minute. He starts out doing a comparison and he says, he calls this body, this earthly body, a tent. 
and he calls our new bodies that's coming in the future, he calls it a building. And so simply what he's saying is that our earthly bodies are temporary, uh, like a tent is a temporary shelter. It's not meant to, to last forever and to be a home. It's meant to be a place that you can move around and live in temporarily. But he says, when our, when our earthly body, this tent is gone, we're going to receive a building from God, something that lasts, a body that lasts. And while we wait for that to happen, he says, we groan, we long, and we sigh uh, for our new body. Because we groan because our bodies, as we get older, have, have, uh, uh, have a, a tendency to hurt and to have pains and to ache in different ways. And I have a friend it, that, that talks about he, he can't lay in bed too long in, in the mornings because his body starts hurting too much. He's got to get up and stretch and walk around. And that's kind of what happens when we get older. So while we wait for our new bodies, we long and sigh and, and we wait for to put on our new body. It's like he's talking about putting it on, like putting on clothes. Uh, so we long for that time when we can put it on. And until we can be clothed in this, in, in this body, in our mortal body, uh, I mean, until while we're clothed in this mortal body, we long to put on our new clothes so that our old body can be swallowed up with the new body. And, uh, and so... We talked about this in our last study about how on the day when Jesus comes, those who are dead will rise up and get new bodies. But those who are still living and waiting for him when he comes will put on this new body and, it's, and their old body will just get swallowed up into their new body. Just like today sitting here, my body is swallowed up by these clothes that I have on. Uh, when Jesus comes, if I'm blessed enough to still be alive at his coming, then my new body will just be put on and swallow up my old body. And so in the day, on, or in between death and the day of resurrection, he says, uh, so in between, uh, we're unclothed. And what he means by that is that, you know, you have a body today and your spirit dwells in your body. And until Jesus comes, uh, we don't have a body uh, after we die. Uh, we don't have a body yet until the day of resurrection, so we'll be unclothed. And he says, in this body, we have the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in us. And uh, the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee to us that one day he's going to come and give us a new body. And, and that word guarantee is sort of like, uh, it's like a real estate term. It's kind of like an, an earnest, which means like earnest money, the God has given us his spirit as the down payment to us, as the earnest that he's going to come back one day and give us a new body. And so, uh, so today, uh, I have the spirit of God living in me through faith in Jesus, just as you do if you're a believer. And that is God's down payment uh, on the new body that is to come. His promise that uh, you're going to get that new body one day. Now we have part because we have a spirit, then we'll have it all on that day uh, when we'll have our spirit and a lasting body to, be, uh, to, to clothe our spirit and so we can live forever with God. Uh, and so uh, it's this in-between time that we're talking about today. And we're going to see in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 through 9, 
uh, more about what he talks about this in between time. And I'm going to read uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. So he says, uh, uh, now in this body, and he's talking now about, uh, about we are in an in-between time, or in between the time when He comes again. But he says, because now... Uh, we have that promise of the Holy Spirit, we can be of good courage because we know that, that uh, he, is, he is good to His promise to provide for us a body. But He says, now while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. And even though I'm with the Lord uh, spiritually uh, today, I am not with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth, which is my home that is to come, I'm not there. So while I'm in this body, I'm away from the Lord. But when I am at home with the Lord one day, at home means in my, in my permanent dwelling place with Him, I'm going to be away from the body. And so I'll be away from this body. This body is going to die and be put in the ground and it'll decay and turn to dust. But when... That happens and my body dies, I'm going to be at home with the Lord. So in this in-between time, you're not just in like some kind of a netherland where, uh, where, where you're in limbo. You're at home. You're going to go home in your spirit to live with Jesus after you die. If you are a believer in Jesus today, you have that promise. You will be away from the body and at home with the Lord, if you're a believer. And he says, whether we are at home in the body or away from the body, we make it our aim to please Him. And so the aim of the Christian life is to live to please the Lord. And thanks be to God that He gives us the power in us to do the things that are pleasing to Him. Because apart from His power, I can't do anything. But you need to know this out of this because we're talking about this in-between time. What happens after we die? He says, when you're away from the body, in other words, when you die, you are at home with the Lord. So if you have loved ones today that have gone on uh, and died and, and you worry about what happens to them or where they are today, then you need to know that if they are a believer in Jesus, that they're at home. You don't have to worry about them being lost or spirits wandering around looking for a place to be uh, through faith in Jesus. Those loved ones are at home with the Lord. And at home means to be in the presence of Him. It means to be at rest. You know, home is where you ought to be the most comfortable. And so uh, they're comfortable today and at home with the Lord. Uh, and now... We're going to go to another section of Scripture and hear what Jesus has to say about this in-between time. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 16. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the New Testament. Luke chapter 16. And we're going to read and talk about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And we're going to read verses 19 through 26. 
There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in manner in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from, from there to us. So let's look at these. These are tough words of Jesus about what happens uh, in between death and resurrection. And, and so he tells this story about a rich man and a man named Lazarus. And the rich man lived in a fine house, and he was clothed in purple and fine linen. And in that day, purple was the most expensive kind of cloth that you could have. It was the cloth of royalty and of the rich people. And so this man is a man who had it all. It doesn't say how he made his money or what he did. We just know from the fruit of, of, of what he's wearing, you know, from what we see in his life, we know that he was rich, and the Scripture says he was. So he was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he feasted every day. Every day for him, it was uh, the finest meat and the finest of everything on his table. I, I picture it like sitting down at a banquet with so much more food than you're able to eat. That's what a feast looks like to me. And, uh, and so this was the rich man. And then on the other hand, he kind of paints a contrasting picture of Lazarus who lay at the gate of the rich man. And he says that he was full of sores. And uh, these sores, you know, when people are uh, malnourished and don't have enough to eat and are starving to death, their skin has a way of breaking down. And chances are, these, this is where the sores from Lazarus came from. He was a hungry, poor man. And, uh, and we know he was hungry because he said Lazarus was hoping just to get some crumbs from under the rich man's table. You can imagine this rich man probably had more leftovers than Lazarus would have to eat in a whole year. And he said that the dogs came and licked his sores as he laid there at the gate at Lazarus's house. Uh, I mean, at the rich man's house. And so uh, Lazarus didn't have anybody to care for him. He didn't have any food. His only friends were the dogs. And the dogs came and ministered to him by licking his sores, even when uh, no people would. And... Uh, you know, this is not a story about faith and prosperity. I know you all who are listening, if you listen to Christian TV anytime, you'll hear preachers talking about, about if you just believe in Jesus, you'll have the finest clothes and you'll be rich and drive big cars and have money in your bank. Uh, this story is, is really tells the opposite of that because the rich man had everything, but he had no faith. Therefore, we're going to see what he really had was nothing. 
while on the other hand, Lazarus, who believed, who didn't have any of the, uh, the earthly blessings like food and shelter and clothing and those sorts of things, he didn't have anything as it related to this world, but he had everything as it related to the permanent world, the lasting world, which is the world to come. And the reason is not because he was poor, but it's because he was rich in faith uh, and rich in faith in God. And so that's the contrast, a rich unbeliever and a poor believer. And let's see what happens next. Both of them died, and it says that, uh, that, that the rich men, they went to the abode of the dead, which is called Hades, and they were separated by a great, a great canyon. And so this is talking about the time before Jesus came, because now we know that if we are away from the body, like we just heard, uh, we are at home with the Lord. But before the resurrection of Jesus, uh, when people died, they went to the abode of the dead, which was called Hades. And there, in Hades, there was this contrast. There was a place of torment for unbelieving people, and there was a place of great comfort for those who believed. Now, when Jesus came and was resurrected, he went down and he cleared out Hades uh, of all the believing people, of all those who believed in him and died believing before the resurrection. And they all also went home to believe, to, to live with him. But those who are in Hades uh, are, uh, and are unbelieving are still there in that place of torment to this day. You know, a lot of people think now when you die you go to, and, and don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. But hell's really not open for business yet. Uh, hell is a place reserved for the devil and, and, and his demons. And it won't be opened until after the day of judgment, when those who are in Hades and unbelieving come before the judgment seat of Christ. But I uh, just want to make that clear. Uh, you don't have to worry about going to Hades if you're a believer because you're going to be with Jesus. But uh, those who don't believe will go to that place of torment. And it says that they were separated by a great canyon. And Lazarus, on the other hand, was carried uh, to Abraham's bosom, which just means to, uh, to that place of comfort in Hades that was there for believers before the resurrection of Jesus. And he was comforted there. He was at home with the Lord there, uh, and now, uh, because Jesus came and cleared out Hades, he's at home with the Lord in heaven. But the rich man, who was probably uh, buried and had a fine funeral, was now apart from the Lord in that place of torment. And, he, and the scripture says that he was in anguish in the flames. This was a hot place where he was. Uh, it wasn't just like a place where unbelievers go to wait until the day of Jesus, you know, kind of like a waiting room or a green room or something like that. This was a place of torment. And so uh, we're going to read some more in Luke 16 and see what happens next in verses 27 through 31. And he said, then I beg you, Father, he's talking about the rich man now. He said, I beg you, Father, to send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come in into this place of torment. But Moses, but Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, 
But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And so here, what the rich man does is ask Lazarus to send to is ask Abraham to send Lazarus to get a, a drink of water, just to tip of his finger so they could touch his tongue. That's how much anguish this rich man was in. He's in so much anguish, he just wants a drop of water for his tongue. And Abraham says, there's no crossing. You can't cross from the place of torment to the place of comfort. And that's a, that's a tough teaching. But, you know, it's kind of like in, uh, it's not a game at all, but I just want to compare it to like a basketball game. Unless you get your shot off before the buzzer, it doesn't matter if it goes in then. Uh, the points only count during the actual playing time. After the buzzer, it's too late. It's that way for people today. Uh, if you're going to be in the place of comfort at home with the Lord when you die in this world, you have to believe in Jesus in this life. Because after this life, it's too late. There's no crossing over. Uh, Jesus describes it as a great chasm. So there's no crossing over from the place of the unbelieving dead to the place of those who live with Jesus in eternity. Because the life that you have, the relationship that you have with Jesus in this life is the relationship that you'll have with him in the next life. So if you live separated from Jesus without faith in this life, then you'll be separated from him in the next. So uh, uh, all I can say to that is, uh, for heaven's sake, believe in Jesus. Uh, and if, if, uh, if you're holding back, uh, then you need to know, you never know the time when your day is going to be up and you die. Uh, and so don't put off a decision to believe in Jesus thinking that you have time because you never know how much time that you have. Uh, it could come at any time. And, and, and besides all of that, uh, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Other than uh, uh, believing in Jesus, all you lose when you believe in him is spending eternity in hell. Uh, why would you want to, to risk that? Uh, so believe in Jesus and get that blessed assurance of when you die, you go home to be with him and you escape the torment. Uh, the rich man asked Abraham to send Lazarus to his brothers. He said, okay, if you're not going to do anything for me, at least send Lazarus over to talk to my family. And Abraham said that, uh, that, they, that they have everything that they need. They have the word of God. And if they won't listen uh, they won't, if they wouldn't listen to the word and to the prophets, they'll not even listen if someone goes to the dead, from the dead and talks to them. You know, today, you have everything you need in order to believe in Jesus. You have the word of God. You've, if, if you're listening today and you're not a believing person, then you've been warned. You know, you're without excuse. And so um, that, this is always a hard teaching for people who don't believe. But I want you to know that I'm speaking this truth to you in love today, not to be condemning of you, but to let you know that there's an opportunity for you to have the blessed assurance of knowing that, you know, this is of knowing that you'll be with Jesus forever when you die. Uh, 
And this is better than any kind of life insurance that you could ever have. Uh, and so uh, don't wait. Believe in him now. Uh, and so now we're going to go over to Mark chapter 12 and hear some more about teach Jesus' teaching of the resurrection. Mark chapter 12, you know, it's Matthew and then Mark in the New Testament. And I'm going to read verses 18 through 27. And the Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the wife and raise up children for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died and left no children, and, and the second took her and died, leaving no children, and the third likewise, and the seven left no children. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Well, let's stop there and talk about that before we get the rest. Uh, the Sadducees say there's no resurrection, and so the way you remember who the Sadducees are is that they are sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. And so they had a story, and they were trying to trap Jesus. They had a story about a woman who was married seven times. Well, the Scripture says uh, for those days that if, if a woman was married to a man and he died, then the brother had to marry her. And so they thought they had a trap for Jesus, uh, and that in heaven, there was going to be chaos because there were seven brothers and they all died. So who was going to be her wife? And so uh, they thought they had set the trap for Jesus. But Jesus then, as he always does, lays out the truth in a very clear and simple way. And that's in uh, verses 24 through 27. And I'll read. Jesus said to them, Is not this why you are wrong, that you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And so Jesus says, to them, the problem is not about the resurrection and who you're going to be married to and who you're not going to be married to in the resurrection. The problem is that, and he's talking to the religious leader, so uh, I'm sure they were offended by this, but sometimes the truth of the scripture offends us because it's right when we're wrong. And when it's right and we're wrong, sometimes it hurts our feelings. But Jesus would rather hurt their feelings and, and get them to change their minds about the truth than to not say anything at all and protect their feelings. And so he said to them, the problem is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And uh, he said, when the dead rise, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they're like the angels in heaven, neither male or female. And so, you know, God created us physical beings so that we could procreate and so that, they, so that there could be new generations of people in this world uh, because we die and we have to reproduce ourselves. But he's saying, you know, there's not any marriage in heaven because there's no need for marriage in heaven. Uh, there's no need to pro procreate in heaven because we're eternal. And, um, and so we're not, we're not angels in the resurrection, but we're like the angels in the sense that we're spiritual beings and we're eternal. Um, and then he says, uh, 
He said, you know, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And so Moses today, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses are alive. They are alive. They're still who they are today in heaven. And uh, God is the God of the living. You, just like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the apostle Paul, uh, David, all who have died in the Lord are still who they are in heaven, and you will be who you are. You're not going to stop being uh, who you are today in heaven. You're just going to be a new, improved version with a new body that's going to last forever, just like I'll still be Skip in heaven. And the difference is just that because we're going to be spiritual body, bodies in a new creation, we won't have a need for marriage anymore. We'll still know our spouses, and they'll still be who they are. We'll still be who they are. we are, but there won't be a need for a marriage relationship anymore. And so those who have died in Christ are with him today. And we'll know each other by name in heaven, just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were still who they are. And marriage is not for eternity, but it's for this life. I hope this helps you in your thinking about what happens when you die. And I hope that through the Word of God today, you find some peace for your life and peace about knowing what happened to those whom you've loved who've gone before you. God's Word is always perfect and wonderful and brings comfort and peace to us about these issues. So God bless you today, and uh, I hope to see you back here next week on Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. If you have a prayer request or questions about any of the material covered in today's lesson, or would like to support the program with a contribution, contact us by email at simplesecrets at goodnewsministries.org or by mail at P.O. Box 3315, Midland, Texas 79702. Until next time, thank you for sharing the simple secrets of the kingdom.